Oh god, Vertigo's number one. <laughs> Vertigo is number one. Yeah. Do we even wanna do we even wanna broach that su- subject? That's yet? it. I'm pretty sure the, the list is over. The podcast is over. Let's throw it away. Start it now. No, it's done. No one. Top ten circus films on Letterboxd. <laughs> If you were a French New Wave movie, which one would you be? If I had to choose one? If you had to choose if one. If I had to choose one, I'd be the four. That most blows. represents you. That most represents me? Oh, yes, God. if you were one. If I could choose just the opening of Weekend, I'd choose that. Just the opening? Just, I love the like opening how far scene. into Weekend are we talking about? I'm talking about at the end of the one take. And then once the actual movie starts, it can go f*** off. Because then I remember it's, No, that, that one take is great. It is great. And then... I see Jean-Luc Godard, and I'm like, ah, okay, pass. If I had to choose one, though, I'm going to say The 400 Blows, because it is by far the most bearable. Yes. But if I were a French New Wave film, I'd probably be uh, Le Mépris, uh, which means contempt, uh-huh. which is how I feel about the whole French New Wave in general. I 100% agree. That, that was a hot take for our audience. Right out the gate. Right out the gate, it's a hot take. I appreciate you, France, for inventing the camera, but let the big boys, you know, let the big boys show you how it's done. We're drawing a line in the sand. Right off the gate. This is the BFI Top 100, not the whatever it has. The can jury, I guess? I don't know. Whatever they have, it's in French, and therefore it does not count. Yep. No, you're right. Because the... What is... What was the uh, the magazine of the French New Wave? Was Jean Lu- is it the same one, Jean Luc Godard, or Truffaut was a critic? Yeah, the one that Truffaut and Godard worked on. Okay, I don't know though. Was it? Oh, ooh, uh, Cahier du Cinema, something Ugh, like that. I hate it just um, by the sound. I've looked to try and read articles from it before, and they're all in French, and I can barely find a single one that's been translated. So I just give me Roger Ebert, give me Mark Kermode. Do you need anything else? I don't think I do. Well, actually, you. Other people need uh, the hot take cinema.com. That's true. That is true. That This is true. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're starting with our, our first episode of going through the entire BFI best films of the all time. The intro episode. The, the prologue episode, if you will. Which one are we doing? Are we doing the director's top 100 or the critic's top 100? So we are doing both. So the BFI, the British Film Institute, for for those who don't know, every 10 years they put out a list of the best movies ever made, and the last one they released was September 2012, and they had two lists. Well, critics voted on one, and then directors voted on the other. Both lists, I felt, were worthwhile, and I personally like the director's list more. Same. Same. But I think there's worthwhile stuff on both. The critics' list is a good... It's a good list if for the, uh, the I don't want to say underappreciated, but the lesser known films. The director's list definitely has a lot more of those iconic movies, whereas the critics' ones are the ones you're going to get like in between chapters of any film textbook. Which I appreciate, but it's hard to get necessarily excited for. Because, I mean, who is Eric von Stroheim? Strahim. Yeah. Eric, Eric von Stroheim. So, yeah, am I supposed to know who that is? He was the he was the butler in uh, Sunset Boulevard. Was he really? Yeah. I am immediately hyped. I didn't know a butler could direct a film. Oh, it's a silent movie. Oh, that's sad. He played a he was a I'm gonna assume a prolific silent film director, and then he got to play the butler in Sunset Boulevard. 
Well, that's why you got to play the the butler. Oh, he's Norma Desmond's butler. Yeah. All right. The director's top hundred list. The critics list is where it's at. But yeah, how much of of the list have you seen? If I'm being completely honest, uh, the the critics list, I would say anywhere between twenty and thirty percent. The director's list, around forty. Not too bad. Yeah, not a lot of this stuff I saw in film school. It's been a while, so it'll be essentially new. Yeah, but I think we're both rewatching quite a bit of stuff, though. Yeah, I have no problem rewatching. I quite enjoy rewatching. Yes, and I think I think it's vital to rewatch, as I uh, as I wrote a whole essay about that. So what I did, we're combining the two lists, and how that's working out is I went and put both lists in the Excel spreadsheet side by side, and. I marked all the movies that only appear once on the list Mm -hmm. and then all the ones that appear twice. And if it appeared twice, I deleted the lower of the two appearances and kept the higher of the two. I'll probably publish in the show notes the the Excel spreadsheet that I sent you uh, a few weeks ago. Okay. That's generally the, the order and the method of this episode structure. It's just going up the list. Some weeks we'll have two, some weeks we'll have one, depending on how it all works out. If mm. if the movie, wherever the movies are on the list, if it's only on one or whatever. So what you're saying is we have content for the foreseeable future. Yes, there'll be, I think, 92 episodes. Fantastic. It will be less than 100. It'll take us less than 100 episodes to get through the top 100. Very exciting. And then we move on to the French top 100. <laughs> Or not. I've seen about 50%, and there's a lot I'm looking that I'm excited to watch, and some I'm not so excited to watch. Give me give me an excited and a not excited. Might take me a second here. What do you... Okay, better question. What is the best movie on this list? In my opinion? Yeah. So, my favorite movie of all time is Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander. Um... Which is pretty high up on the director's list. It's number 16. And it is surprisingly low on the critics list, number 84, but it is on both. So I did not have to get angry about that. Uh, What is your favorite movie out in here, Chandler? Uh, I'm going to be basic and say Goodfellas, because that's one of my all-time favorite movies. But I am surprised to see uh, Close Up on here, another uh, film I greatly enjoy. Big fan of Close Up. But what I find most interesting is that if you look on the critics list and the director's list, the director's list, the biggest, okay, the biggest discrepancy I see here is if you go onto the critics list, number 73, The Third Man, one of the best movies of all time. I think both you and I can agree. It, it most certainly it's, is. It is fantastic. And on the director's list, it is not even on it. You know, I, I was aware of that. I wrote that down. I was going to bring that up. That is insane because not It's a tragedy. Cuz it's it's kind of like I'm I'm not going to say I'm I, who's to say what's the best movie of all time. But I do constantly see as far as British films are concerned that a lot of people consider uh The Third Man to be one of the greatest British films of all time. I just find it interesting that on the BFI list. I know it's made of up of directors, but still though. Fucking breathless is on here breathless is number 11 
and the third man isn't on here at all. And I don't usually get mad at lists that are objective, but that opinion is objectively you mean subjective. There is some subjective, yes. Obviously, Citizen Kane's going to be in the top five of both of these lists. I understand how it works. But fucking Breathless. Breathless has left me speechless. I am pissed. I don't, I don't even think Breathless is the worst offender. I'm only pissed because it's so hot, fi, uh, far up. Yeah. Above the 400 blows. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to get too too down in the nitty-gritty of our opinions of all of these. We'll get to that eventually. I cannot wait for the Breathless episode. Uh, me personally, uh, the one thing that I'm surprised that there's a uh, not on either list is Paris, Texas. Really not either? It's not on either. Wasn't, uh, isn't, uh, that director German? He is German, yeah. A German director did a movie in America. How could it not be on the best movies of all time list? One of the most best road trip movies ever. And not only one of the best road trip movies ever, but also one of the most, um, American movies ever. Yeah. Simply, not even just in its presentation, but in sort of a lot of the themes it tackles. I was very surprised to learn just how German this guy was. Yeah, it's it's surprising it's not on there. It's one of my favorites. And What is the newest movie on here? The most recent. Do you know that? I do not. I want to say I saw Yee Yee. Oh, yeah. I saw. I know Brighter Summer Day is on here. I don't know if Yee Yee is on yeah. here. I'd imagine it is, though. Yee Yee is. It's number 96. It's only on the critics list. And that one's uh, 1999. Wait, are you telling me Mulholland Drive isn't on here? Because In the Mood for Love's on here. That was 2000. Oh, In the Mood for Love might be the newest. Oh, no. Uh, oh, wow. Hidden's on here. Cachet? Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Cachet, 2004. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, 2004. That's probably it. Mulholland Drive, yeah, 71 is on here. Oh, we get to watch Solo. I'm not sure if I'm excited or scared. <laughs> well, okay. I don't care how bad Solo is. Come and see is on here, and I'm very not excited for oh, that. Oh, I am. I swore I'd never watch that but again. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. It will never leave my top forty. But I will never. I up until now, I swore I'd never watch. You it could again. abstain from but watching alas. it. You have seen it. I know. I'm gonna watch it. I have seen it, but I don't remember enough. There's some very haunting imagery that will never leave my brain, but a lot of the specifics I don't remember. And I will watch it. I will make sacrifices for this podcast. So why are we choosing why are we choosing this the BFI best movies of all time list instead of another one like the the AFI, the American Film Institute list? Well, I don't know your reasoning. My only reasoning is because there's like four or five different podcasts that tackle this. Oh, my main reasoning is that um you know studying film here in america and being raised on american movies i've grown to understand as i get older that uh americans have different sensibilities when it comes to what movies they prefer and what movies they idolize and i personally was curious to see someone you know an overseas perspective a more european perspective on how uh these movies would differ the top 100 also, I feel like a lot of the AFI lists, um, it almost feels like at times like a fraternity, because I know a lot of the people on the AFI um, council or whatever, whoever it is judges the movies. The secret Illuminati AFI council? Yeah. I know a lot of the people on the AFI actually, or in the AFI, actually know the people who made the movies. 
So I feel like there's a personal element there that sometimes might get in the way of more objective uh, truths when it comes to film. So those are my reasons. I don't know what yours are. Well, for me, it's obviously we're we're not really considering any other lists because there's you know Empire Magazine. Every every website that has ever commented on movies has some kind of best movies of all time list. Yeah. But uh, who who are they? And it's really the prestige that comes along with like the British Film Institute or the American Film Institute that, that carries some weight with these lists. And the fact that they have industry professionals working on them. But the, the AFI seems like a lot of the movies on there were voted for by old white people. Exactly. Who yep. have very conservative ideas of what good movies are. And yep. it's taking, because they did two lists so far, and it there was some movement, but I think the newest one on that list was like Fellowship of the Ring, which was surprising because nothing there was nothing else that was remotely new or exciting on that list. It was all lots of old black and white films. Nothing wrong with that. I like a lot of the movies on the AFI list, but there were some that just seemed kind of behind the times. No, I agree. I agree. And what year was that? 2012? Or no, this is the 2012 list. I want to say the AFI list was like 2008, something like that. Yeah, they did two. I think it was like 2008 and then back in the early, the late 1990s. And I'm not saying that the the BFI doesn't have any of those kind of issues, but it just Mm -hmm. seems a little bit more open-minded and kind of like a worldly sense of they're taking into account movies from all over the world kind of broadening horizons and that's something that i like i like watching foreign film and just getting different perspectives and that's probably the main reason it has nothing to do with the the afi love american movies but i want to watch more world classics yeah no i agree even if the third man is not one of them i'll let them slide on that one time Who are you, Chandler? Give us give us a little uh, introduction to you, and why should we care about your opinion? I'm a wannabe filmmaker, screenwriter, occasionally. Made a few short films. Some of them have been in festivals. Some of them were deemed too horrible to be shown publicly. And you know, I just uh, just a fan of movies in all, all shapes and forms. What about you, Jacob? Who are you? Who am I? What a what a wonderful question. I I don't really know. But what I do know is I am a also uh, I'm a wannabe filmmaker, a director who is currently a unemployed artist, graduated last May and have not found employment yet. Trying to keep up with my uh, my work as a filmmaker, though, Uh, trying to write, keep up with that, keep up writing scripts and then also creating the Hot Take podcast website where Chandler and I post reviews and then uh, this podcast. That's that's what I've been doing. I'd love to. I like to make stuff. Of directing is my passion, and I hope that I'll be able to do it professionally someday and working towards that goal. But until then, I am a I'm a film critic, not quite professional, but not quite amateur film critic. <laughs> Aren't we all? Thank you, Letterboxd. Yes, Letterboxd. Shout out to Letterboxd. What a great website for posting what you're watching and your opinions on that. Good for lists too. It is good for lists. I have too many lists. We will also include our Letterboxd in the description 
Have you ever checked how many lists that I've actually made? Because it's almost to a hundred. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a lot. It's a few. I, I get bored and I just want to rank things. Thing is, I never sort my feed by lists, and I never realized until recently when I started doing that just how many lists people make. It's kind of an addiction. I, it's well, yeah, for me. I you know I do my. I ranked my years, you know, like best of 2019 and so on. I have my top 40. I have my list of underrated. I have my, uh, you know, director's worst to best, but I can only do those if I've seen at least half their filmography. Oh, I I do it as soon as I've seen at least five. Oh, it reminds me, I gotta make my bomb back one. What is your your opinion of lists in general? Because I know people, there's some people who just hate ranking stuff. And there's other people who love it. I don't see why... Yeah, I like it. It's I think it's just part of human nature to want to, you know, sort of rationalize, compartmentalize, if that's the wrong word, rationalize and logically uh, structure things. I understand that there's no such thing as an objective truth when it comes to, you know, art. So I like seeing it because I like seeing how other people value movies and you can sort of understand what people value over other things. They're fun. They are fun. Yes. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. They're kind of meaningless fun, but that's... Yeah, but you know, isn't that what movies are? Meaningless fun? No, there's some meaning. Okay, well, true. There's lots of meaning. Have you seen Paddington 2? That's true. Unironically. Where is that on the list? That's probably the best British movie ever made. It's certainly up there. I'd put it in the top ten. I'd put it in the top five, but we can get to that when we get to that. Our first movie is the 1973 French film Les Samurai. Which I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say has little to no actual samurais. That That is a, a good educated guess. And speaking as someone who's seen it before, there are no samurais. That is a shame. For those of you who, who don't speak English, Les Samurai means the samurai. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I was saving that. That was in my joke repertoire for the the, the first episode. Dude, that's been my that's been my one of my staples since my world history class in high school when I told the entire class the Spanish translation to the country El Salvador, which, in case you didn't know, is Spanish for the Salvador. It's good to know. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. Quick, quick little anecdote on the Lace Samurai cover. Uh, I don't know what the typical Blu-ray cover is. I only know it by its Criterion cover. And I see it a lot at record stores and at Barnes & Noble. And every time I see it, I always think it's Chinatown. Because I don't know who that guy is in the front. I've never seen the movie. But he looks like Jack Nicholson in his little Chinatown outfit. Well, it's got that kind of vibe to it. It's Well, yeah, it's French. Yeah. Well, uh, director, the director of the film, Jean-Pierre Melville, mm-hmm. who we'll talk about next episode. Interesting guy. His films are generally like the French noir kind of. Oh, interesting. Uh, the only I've seen Les Samurai and the other film of his I've seen is uh, Army of Shadows, which is one of my, my favorites. It's not on this list, which it should be, but it isn't. It's about French rebels during World War II. Okay. Now... As we stated in the beginning, as somebody who hates a lot of the French New Wave, without giving too much away, do you think I'll like this movie? This is kind of... It's not really. See, here's the thing. Your your opinions are always... I feel like there is... There's a rationale behind all of them, and I feel like I know what it is, but every time I, I feel like I'm latching on to what I think you're going to like, I don't. 
but it all seems very like cohesive. I don't know if that makes sense. It, you know, it kind of does. It kind of does. But I think you're gonna like it because it's not. It's not really French New Wave. It's thank God. Kind of like one foot out the door, French New Wave. Earlier in his career, Melville was more of part of that movement, but by this point, this is I think his first color film. By this point in his career, he wasn't really a part of that movement. Okay. I should say that as far as the French New Wave goes, I'm very much a fan of the aesthetic, the iconography of the French New Wave, but the actual movies themselves are unbearable. I get this thing where like I will watch trailers or like clips or see like a still from something, just be like, oh, that sounds cool. I think I would like that. Mm-hmm. And I get tricked into revisiting Jean-Luc Godard or something. Yeah, It's really just Godard I, I have beef with. Truffaut, I have more success with. Truffaut is the closest I've come to liking. But as far as Godard goes, as I've told you many times, I will never forgive Jean-Luc Godard for not visiting Agnes Varda at the end of Faces Places. It's such a sad moment in cinema. It is one of the saddest moments of any movie, and the worst part is that it's real. Jean-Luc Godard's a real-life asshole. It just happens right there in front of you, on the camera. Yep. He just ignores her. I think that was one of the, the most... I'm not even kidding. One of the most, like, angry... One of the angriest times I've ever been, like, at a movie. I was just so angry. Agnes Varda is a national treasure. National as in United States national or France? International. International. I apologize. International. She's an international treasure. She's a, she's adorable with her little candy corn hair. <laughs> R.I.P. Agnes Varda. Yeah, I've never actually seen an Agnes Varda movie and i need to i need to change that i've seen cleo from five to seven is pretty good again it has a lot of the same problems that i have with the french new wave but it's pretty good i'll I'll try her out one of these days after this list it's on the criterion channel i believe speaking of the criterion channel and uh les samurai is on currently streaming on the criterion channel it is also available for rent online various places amazon youtube wherever you get this stuff Along with Les Samurai, uh, the Criterion Channel actually has the complete collection of all of Jean-Pierre Melville's movies. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, I might, depending on when we watch, we get around to recording that next episode, I, I might try watching a few of his movies and seeing uh, what kind of director he is beyond the, the two films that I've seen. Because Army of Shadows and Les Samurai are both stylistically almost identical. Uh, and I know his earlier stuff is different, so curious. We'll definitely try to... Uh include director information in these episodes as much as we can we're not gonna read biographies every episode we'll just we'll bring out a biography i'll buy a book and we'll just start reading it <laughs> it'll be an audiobook podcast it's nice to have a little bit of context still not gonna make me like breathless any any big fans of the french new wave are already gonna be put off we've already we keep coming back to that we we immediately started with that and it will be a running theme there's quite a few unfortunately on here at least three Godard. Oh, no. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But uh, I am looking forward to uh, lots of other stuff on this list. So hopefully good things ahead. I am just hoping for not too much David Lean because I can't watch four-hour movies every week. Lawrence of Arabia has to be on here, right? Lawrence of Arabia is on here. I wonder if that might be one where we we put it by itself. Because that week it would be it would be North by Northwest and Lawrence of Arabia, so we might split that up. Uh, please. Anything over three hours, sole episode. 
I saw a Brighter Summer Day, which I bought the Criterion for, and I'm happy because I was just about to watch it, but now I know it can wait. Summer, ooh, Brighter Summer Day is actually the same week as Salo. Ooh! That's not happening. I think Salo needs its own episode. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> needs its own month. Its own episode. Is it Salo or Salo? Salo. Salo sounds better. Don't they eat their own shit in that one? I'm pretty sure they do. They they do a lot of stuff. I mean, what what do you expect from a movie called Solo or The 120 Days of Sodom? Yep. You are correct. That is true. I'm very excited. It's all about broadening your perspectives. That's that's the important part. That's what we're here to do. I'm going to get this out, this podcast out in the next week and hopefully there'll be a good 3-week chunk for people to watch Lay Samurai. We'll gather the masses. Hopefully, we'll we'll post this wherever we can. We'll call the president, and get him to do something. Of course, no, no, I I I met the president of France. Oh, sure. What, what Ma- whoever he what's is. Maron Ma- Macron Macron? It's something like that. I like that guy. Or, or maybe we should call uh, the the president of China. I'm sure he oh. could get it out on the on the the airwaves pretty easily. Of course, double feature, Lee Samurai and Winnie the Pooh. Mandate it to over a billion people. Mandatory watching of Lee Samurai <laughs> <laughs> for the entire population of China. I'm sure they would all love it. Well, uh, as long as they tune into the podcast, that's all we care about. Uh, it's, uh, yep. Human rights? Yeah. I think we'll end with that. that that's where it got dicey, not with Solo. Nope. Not with the <laughs> shit eating. Definitely not. Just Hong Kong. <laughs>